from Radio Vermont, it's the Dave Graham Show on WDEV. It's your show about the people, places, and the issues that matter the most to you. Now here's your host, Dave Graham. Good morning, Vermont. It is Wednesday, October the 14th, 2020, and uh, we are going to be talking about a very serious issue in the first hour, that being uh, domestic violence, and then in the latter hour, we're going to be talking about uh, WDEV and uh, a fundraising campaign the station is doing to uh, help itself through the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic and crisis, economic downturn, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, in the first hour, we're going to be talking here with uh, Rory Tebow, the Washington County State's Attorney, as well as Diane Kinney. She's co-director of a group called Circle, a uh, group which uh, is based here in Washington County and helps folks deal with uh, domestic abuse when it, when it appears in uh, their own lives, etc. cetera. Um, anyway, we're going to be, uh, I think we have both uh, of our guests on the line this morning, and I want to thank... Uh, Diane Kinney of Circle and uh, State Attorney Tebow for joining us uh, on the line. Uh, thank you so much for for uh, coming in this morning. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, uh, Rory Tebow. First off, um, this this uh, uh, obviously is uh, the mind is focused on domestic violence uh, this week in our uh, <clears throat> in our uh, area. Because of the uh, horrible events uh, of uh, Monday afternoon in uh, Berlin, uh, in which a uh, an, uh, an on-duty uh, part-time police officer—I'm um, sorry—the events were in Barrytown, but it was a Berlin part-time police officer who uh, uh, shot uh, his former uh, partner and uh, killed her, and then killed himself uh, at, just outside the apartment where uh, she was living, and um, I don't know whether there's anything new to report on this in terms of were there any warning signs uh, in the in the hours or days uh, leading up to this event that might have, uh, people might have spotted if they'd known or could have acted to, to try to pre- prevent this from happening. Well, Dave, you know, I don't want to step too much on the toes of uh, the Vermont State Police and their investigation. I think Major Trudeau in his uh, public brief last night you know, made clear that the major uh, point of inquiry for the investigators is what did lead up to this. Uh, so at this point in time, I, I know that the uh, detectives are working hard to retrace Officer Strzok's steps and uh, to look into um, to make contact with people who were around him in the days leading up to this tragedy. And the... Um I think I saw you quoted in the Times Argus story, if I recall, um, talking about how um, it, you know, it's not a common thing in Washington County, but it certainly has occurred before, this kind of uh, domestic uh, violence leading to a homicide, basically. Um, we've had, what, uh, just a handful of them in the past few years, right? You know, it's a handful. There's been three incidents in the past four years. Um, the Randall Gibo homicide of Cindy Cook back a few years ago, uh, the mm-hmm. 2018 homicide of Courtney Gaborio at the hands of her um, former boyfriend, Luke LaCroix, and now uh, this incident as well. But, you know, from my standpoint, that's three too many, and it's part sure. of you know, something that's alarming, which is um, it, statistics vary year to year, but on any given year, uh, 50% or more of our homicides in Vermont have a domestic violence component. 
Yeah, that is, um, it, it, it certainly is, a, and I, I don't understand, you know, sort of how things get so, uh, <clears throat> so out of, out of a whack with people that, uh, this, uh, this sort of thing ends up happening, but, uh, it, but it does from time to time. Um, Diane Kinney, I'm, I'm wondering if you, uh, can tell us, you were, you were, we were talking on the phone yesterday and you were mentioning that, uh, uh, folks at Circle were actually in a training, um, on uh, Monday, the day this uh, occurred, this uh, latest uh, murder-suicide, uh, you were in a training which um, focused on efforts to, I, I think, I think he said, to try to sp- sort of spot trouble or spot warning signs uh, before anything happens. Uh, do I have that right? Tell us a little about that. Yeah, you have it right. Um, we were in a training with. Uh, Dr. Jackie Campbell about the danger assessment. And the danger assessment is a tool that advocates and law enforcement can use to determine which situations are at high risk for lethality. Um, So while we were doing this training to figure out how to do this assessment and to be able to reduce murder, um, this event was occurring. Um, so we're all pretty sobered by that. Um, and, you know, glad that we're getting the training and glad that we're going to be creating what's called a high-risk team in Washington County to help the community and our community collaborators, like the state's attorney's office and like the law enforcement, to be able to spot this before it occurs. Um, <clears throat> Diane, I'm wondering, uh, you know, people, I'm sure um, there are cases in which people can kind of spot in themselves uh, something building up toward the sort of rage which can result in violence, I guess. Um, and uh, where do they turn if they sort of fear what they might do? They can call us and we can help them to figure out where they can get some support. Um, in Washington County, we have what's called a domestic violence accountability program, um, which can provide assistance and support for folks who are abusive to learn how to not be. Um, the Barry Justice Center in our county um, runs that program. Do you know what some of the sort of techniques or approaches are for folks who uh, who want to uh, want to uh, avoid their own worst behaviors? Well, that's part of the problem. Um, so you have to be able to hold yourself accountable. You have to recognize <clears throat> what you're doing is not okay. And in our society, we are not always taught about how to have a healthy relationship, let alone not an abusive relationship. So often, folks who are abusive, which are mostly, you know, the huge percentage is men, but women also can be abusive, um, are not likely to recognize their behavior because one of the things that they do is they blame everyone else for what is happening. 
Yeah, that that is a, um, I guess that is a pattern that that is uh, from what I read and hear from folks is uh, is pretty common in these cases. Um, and interestingly enough, there was a, I guess, a, an uptick in domestic violence back in the uh, last winter. And I remember uh, Rory Tebow, the state's attorney, I had you on the radio uh, with a couple of other folks talking about that, uh, and it was being tied to the coronavirus pandemic and reaction to that uh, with folks uh, staying home, uh, really kind of locked down and so on. Um, uh, has, has that continued through the through this period? I mean, we're still dealing with this coronavirus stuff, uh, or has that uh, leveled off? Well, you know, fortunately, I, you know, I can re- go ahead, Roy. Uh, you know, fortunately, I can report that we had, you know, about double, as we talked about in the spring, we had about double the uh, average of cases, and fortunately, uh, that subsided where we returned to, you know, a still more than we'd like, but a normal uh, level of cases, uh, a little less than about 10 a month on average uh, over the summer. So, you know, that's, I guess, reassuring in one way that we're we're back to uh, our baseline. And yet at the same time, I think that this current case and the uh, two other you know, murder-suicides we referenced are concerning because one thing all three had in common was there was no prior law enforcement contact or criminal case against any of the perpetrators um, with respect to intimate partner violence. And, you know, so that's that's a concern is what we have reported and what we're able to prosecute doesn't necessarily reflect the total number of uh, individuals in the community who are at risk. So so these are not, um, shall we say, repeat offenders who whose violence escalates over time uh, and whose involvement with, with uh, law enforcement, you know, starts with maybe an assault or and then goes to aggravated assault and then, and then to murder, um, it, it, it's really uh, just out of the blue. Is that is that a fair description? It is, and you know, no case, no two cases are ever totally alike. Uh, the risk factors for a particular offender are different. The circumstances of a victim can be different, and just as much as that, the the barriers to reporting um, can be significant, uh, depending on where uh, the victim is in his or her life. And Diane Kinney, you I give, sure, yes. <laughs> so there's a, a myriad of issues. Um, someone who is whose partner and whose abuser is a police officer may be much more likely to report being abused to anyone for fear hmm. of reprisal and for fear of not being believed. The other part is that many, many times there will be folks who are abused for years and years who have never had police contact because abuse is not just the physical violence. Abuse is about power and control, having power and control over another person. Mm -hmm. And you gain that power and control by controlling many things about them, and it mostly starts with emotional abuse. And often there are people who are emotionally abused their entire lives, but they have not um, done anything to step against the control of the abuser that physical violence was needed in order to get them back in line. What... um... 
give me give, give me an example or two of, of emotional abuse. What what do you? I mean, I can sort of guess at it, but I don't like to guess. Okay. Uh, tell, so, yeah. um, berating someone constantly that they're a bad mom, that they can't do anything, tearing down their self-esteem, um, gaslighting them, telling them that you know the physical abuse that happened was not that bad, or they're making it up, telling them that. Um, you know, their, their mom is not always very good to them, so maybe they shouldn't talk to their mom, which can sound supportive. You know, it would be great if all abusers were monsters and were able to be physically abusive immediately, and you would be like, oh, my God, I can't be with this person. But that's not how it works. Abusers are generally really nice people, nice to their person, you know, because otherwise nobody would be with them. And the abuse just changes over time, and once that person can gain power and control over their partner, then they're controlling everything about them. You know, I often say if if you meet somebody and they call you terrible names and they slap you across the face, you're not going to say, this is the man for me. Yeah. But that's not how it works. I wonder also sometimes, um, you know, there there've got to be instances where um, friends are become aware of of a, a relationship which is at least emotionally abusive. You know, they, they let's say they mm-hmm. invite invite old friends up, you know, up for the weekend or something, and the four the, now we have two couples who are mm-hmm. hanging out together, and and uh, you know, one of the one of the um, <clears throat> one of the People is talking about how uh, his partner is constantly talking about how, how she's you know stupid and worthless or whatever, right? You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just cutting her down constantly. Um, mm-hmm. And the other couple, which has a much healthier relationship, notices uh, mm-hmm. what can what can or should the other couple do uh, in in the face of this. Well, one thing that they can do is they can say that they noticed, not in front of the abusive person. They can listen. The last Mm -hmm. thing that someone needs who's being abused is to be told they need to leave. Leaving is the most dangerous time. Because when someone tries to leave an abusive relationship... The abuser then feels like their control is is diminishing, yeah, and that's when violence can happen. So the main thing people can do is that they can listen, they can support, and say, "This must be really hard. I'm here for you." They can call Circle at one eight seven seven five four three nine four nine eight and talk to us about how to do it? Hmm. Is there, um, is, is there any wisdom in, in, the, uh, in the healthier couple, you know, one, or one, one of them, or maybe both, I don't know, uh, urging the uh, person who seems to be on the receiving end of this emotional abuse in the other relationship, um, is it, would it be wise to advise the... Uh, the person on the receiving end here to uh, to call circle herself. Or? Absolutely, 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and and you it, know, if you are, said, if you're in that situation, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, that's one of the best things to do is to have her call us um, and let her know that she doesn't need to give us any information, you know, her personal information and that everything yeah. that we hear <clears throat> is confidential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I'm sure that 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 is a key uh, putting people mm-hmm. at ease in that manner. Rory Tebow, I'm curious about one thing. Um, I don't know if you have these stats at your fingertips or a general idea, but uh, um, is domestic violence more prevalent in Vermont? Uh, you know, by I guess numbers of incidents by population or anything like that uh, than uh, and in Washington County, uh, is it is it is it high or low here or about? Uh, on par with uh, what goes on around the country. Well, Dave, I don't have the you know exact numbers at my fingertips. What I can say, um, you know, it's indicative of the region. Uh, last week there was um, Mayor Lucas Herring in Barry City put on a public safety forum, and part of that forum every year is taking a look at the FBI aggregation of violent crime statistics for uh, Barry City, Vermont, and um, for the you know U.S. overall. And so, while nationwide in the last decade there's been a significant decrease. In violent crime, and we've seen that in Vermont as well. Um, when you start looking at what constitutes violent crime, a significant portion of that is uh, domestic violence offenses. And certainly, um, in our office, the cases that we're litigating uh, that do involve violence, it's a pretty high proportion of it does have a domestic component. I would say anywhere, uh, anecdotally, from maybe a third to a half, with you know, the balance being regular assaults between other, you know, non-household uh, members or um, things like armed robbery or, unfortunately, sometimes murders. Um. And the, uh, in the case of domestic violence or, 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 you know, violent crime involving members of families or intimate partners, um, um, there's, there's nothing to indicate really that, uh, that, that, that we're, you know, excessively high or unusually low or anything like that? No, I don't think that we're, you know, an anomaly, but I think that it's important to note that domestic violence is pervasive. It is not just in wealthy or poor communities. It's not just in, you know, rural states like Vermont or in urban, you know, more urban areas like Massachusetts or Boston. Um, it can really happen anywhere. And, you know, the risks associated with that um, can, can vary. Um, I'm really struck by, you know, some things I... 15 years ago now, we picked up uh, in law school when we had some folks from Have Justice, Will Travel, who are an organization that helps uh, domestic violence survivors down in the Windsor County area. Um, you know, and it was a discussion that when you get into these back roads it, and inside of homes, it's very easy to conceal what may actually be happening there. And you know, I think Diane spoke well to it that there are situations where on the outside looking in, you have a happy, well-balanced family, um, but behind those closed doors, um, there's emotional abuse, maybe financial control, or other behaviors that are are risky. And you know, I'm continually struck when we do uh, meet with victims and survivors of domestic violence that you know, oftentimes it's when things boil over that you know a call to the police is made, or when things get out of control that a neighbor calls because they hear the fighting or they hear what's happening, and you know, then then uh, you know, the book is open, and we get to learn about sometimes years or even decades of abuse going on. And uh, Diane Kinney, um, if you are in a 
I mean, a moment ago, a moment ago, I was struck by when you said that the the advice not to give is to the victim is to leave. Um, if you are the victim, if you are in, in a relationship of ongoing uh, domestic violence in which you are basically on the receiving end of uh, either emotional abuse or physical abuse or accommodation, um, what what are some things that you can do? First of all, you can call us. And we, what we mm-hmm. will do is we'll talk about what your specific situation is because every, every situation is different. And then we'll help you to safety plan. We'll let you know what your options are, what things can help you. Um, in Vermont, as in most states or all states, there's what's called a relief from abuse order, which is a civil order so that you don't have to have um, the police involved. And the- I'm sorry. Let, let's con- let's continue this answer after the break. We do have to, we need to go to a bottom of the hour. CBS News Minute. A couple words from our sponsors again, and then uh, I want to. Con- I want. I know you have more to t- more to say on this front, uh, Diane Kinney. So uh, let's do that on the other side. Diane Kinney, okay. Rory uh, Tebow are my guests. We'll be back shortly, folks. Exciting things are happening in Warren Village. The Pitcher Inn and Warren Store are under new management. Upgrades and improvements are in the works, maintaining the ambiance and character while breathing new energy and resources into these iconic properties. We are open while practicing all CDC protocols. Come for lunch at our Rockin' Deli and see for yourself what the buzz is all about. Both businesses are hiring, especially seeking fine dining room staff and sales associates for our boutique. Still fun, funky, and friendly, but better than ever. Open daily on Main Street, Warren Village. It's the Dave Graham Show on WDEV. Thanks for staying with us in the second half hour of our program on this Wednesday morning. We are talking about domestic violence with Diane Kinney of Circle of Washington County, a group devoted to combating domestic violence and helping victims of it. Also, uh, Washington County State's Attorney Rory Tebow is with us, and uh, I really appreciate the uh, willingness of you two to uh, stay with us for the full first hour of the Dave Graham Show here on WDEV, FM, and AM. And uh, Diane, just before the break, I had to interrupt to go to the break. I'm sorry, but... Uh, uh, these things happen in radio sometimes. Uh, anyway, um, you were—I was asking you about the um, about sort of what a uh, what a victim of domestic violence can do. And the first step, I think you said, was was call circle uh, and uh, and talk to folks there about uh, developing a sort of safety plan. So uh, go ahead and continue with that answer, if, if you will. Uh, happily, thanks, Dave. Um, so yeah, calling us. When someone calls us, what we're going to do is try and figure out what they want. Um, it's, it is about her needs and what she drives, what is going on, um, and how we provide support. So if she is interested in a civil relief from abuse order, we can um, help her to get one and support her through that process. If she wants... Um, to just figure out how to stay safe within her relationship. We'll, we'll safety plan and talk with her about that. If she wants to think about getting out of the relationship, we will talk about how to safely do that. Um, we will just support her throughout the, um, you know, whatever she wants to do. We're never going to tell anyone what to do. We're going to give them what the options are, for them, what things they could access, what things could be helpful for them. Um, well, let's and, explore these each a bit more. 
mm-hmm. if, we, if we could ex- explore these each a bit more. I mean, uh, let, let's say that she her, her preference is to uh, uh, file a, a relief from abuse order. Does she actually have to go to court and appear in front of a judge in order to do that? Well, in pre-COVID times, yes. Uh, right now, because the court is um, trying to adhere to the health department guidelines, um, she can actually call in. But yes, yeah, she she has to um, first. She would file for an order, a temporary order, and we can. It's a long, you know, it's a, a process, and we can explain how that happens. Um, right now, and that's one of the things happening with COVID. It's more difficult because the court is not. Um, certain areas of the court aren't open, um, and it's gotten more difficult to manage uh, filing those orders. But you can, um, and that would be a temporary order that she can get that within, you know, the day that she files for it, she can get a temporary order. And then Mm -hmm. court is supposed to be, and usually is, within 10 days. So it's it's Tuesday mornings in Washington County, um, and we can support her through that process. We will talk to her throughout to let her know exactly what's going to happen. Um, the abuser, the, the, the defendant in the case, is also told that this is happening and needs to appear as well. So that can be kind of scary um, to have to talk in front of a judge and the person who did this to you explaining that you don't want it to happen again. And the relief from abuse order that that ensues, I'm wondering, um, you know, the, the judge ends up issuing typically, um, will it say that the uh, that the two people must must stay physically apart? And does that mean one of them has to move, or how does it all can. that play out? It can. There's, there's quite a few remedies within it, and um, the plaintiff, the person asking for the order, can ask for just strictly no abuse, that the abuser will not physically harm them. Or they can ask for the abuser to be removed from the home um, and have no contact, physical or otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a, a long range of things that you can ask for in the order. And in the temporary order, you'll, you'll get you know, generally what you ask for um, sometimes. Um, and then the judge in the final order when the judge hears from both parties, um, uh, an order will be issued that sometimes includes, you know, staying apart, um, custody of kids, all kinds of things. Or it can be that you can just stay in the same house, but there can be no abuse. Okay, so it, it, on that first day, if Jane goes and gets a temporary a relief from abuse order against John, um mm-hmm. I, I, how is John notified that 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 has happened? Uh, the sheriff will serve him with the paperwork, and the order is not in effect until John is aware of the order. I see. Okay. Um, and the uh, and then obviously, if he uh, violates the order by say. Uh, returning to the residence, if the order says you know you're supposed to stay away, and he returns to the to the residence they were sharing, mm-hmm. um, he can be arrested. Or that's correct. It is a civil process until the defendant violates it, and then 
that becomes a criminal process. And that's one of the things that Rory prosecutes is violations of orders. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the um, Rory Tebow, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, has, has, this, has this system been able to perform as well as needed in the COVID crisis? I mean, we're hearing about courts shutting down or being accessible mainly by telephone and et cetera. Uh, has that been a problem, or do you feel like uh, people have gotten the service from the courts that they need in the in, a, in the timely manner that they need? I think there have been uh, some bumps in the road along the way, um, for sure. I'm sure Diane could probably uh, speak to that and would acknowledge it. Um, but, you know, part of, part of the, uh, sorting out those bumps in the road is the fact that we have a really dedicated um, community supporting uh, victims, and, uh, and that includes law enforcement. Uh, Chief Tim Bombardier in Barry City, along with uh, Diane and uh, Carol Diamond from Circle, have been instrumental in um, keeping pressure up on uh, the Washington County court system to prioritize these cases and make sure that there's not another barrier uh, for someone who's seeking help. And I think they've been largely successful in, in meeting that need. And um, in the criminal court, when we do have a case, um, you know, a lot of courts are still operating at, you know, less than ideal capacity. Uh, here in Washington County, um, we've been fortunate to have our judges uh, be mindful that these are important cases and have really, uh, even with the limited uh, five hours a day of court time, have uh, ensured that we're getting our priority cases heard. So you don't feel like there's been any, I mean, you say bumps in the road, but as a general rule, no real d- uh, diminution in service? Can well, I answer that? Yeah, I, I think Diane probably can give some better answers here. <laughs> I was going to go to you next, but go ahead. <laughs> well, part of the issue is that um, in order to get a, a temporary order, you need to fill out paperwork. Um, mm-hmm. And that has been, um, or you can do it online. Um, you know, at least fill out the paperwork and then email it to the court. And that's the new process. So, um Sorry about the phone. Um, and it's difficult because during, in general, victims are isolated. That's a tactic that abusers use. Within the yeah, pandemic, yeah. the isolation has been huge. And as we all know, in Vermont, Internet is not always reliable. Um not everybody has the resources that they need in order to access the courts um, as well as they should. The other big issue is that because um, some of the process is either online or, or, you know, via telephone, our ability to provide assistance and support throughout the process has diminished. Um, hmm. In the past quarter, we were only able to assist with 14 temporary orders. Normally, we assist with 14, 15, 16, sometimes 20 per month. Wow. So our ability to advocate and to support folks who are getting orders has diminished greatly. Um, and that that's a problem. And, you know, we, we keep continuing to, to try and address it. And it's not easily solvable. You know, I, I I do believe the court is attempting to address it, um, but it's not it's not easy. 
And um, in, what are the main reasons that you've, you've seen this reduction in the numbers of temporary abuse relief orders you're able to help with? Uh, I mean, are there specific sort of physical well, because, functions? Yeah, because we are unable to meet um, as easily directly with people and because the process is um, either online or via telephone a lot of the time. So we aren't able to be directly with the person. So prior, um, we would meet with somebody. We would even walk over to court with them to hand it in um, and be able to, to know whether or not they got an order. Now we have to rely on, on a traumatized person to call us back and tell us that they got an order. And that may not be something that's first on their list. Um, so it, it, it's just very cumbersome. And um, because of the social distancing that is necessary and um, the needing to do things via telephone, it's gotten more difficult. Um, you know, um, and we're, we're, we're working it. We're doing the best we can. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really all you can do because obviously, uh, unfortunately, these issues continue to percolate along and kind of pop up out of the general uh, social fabric out there. And, uh, um, I mean, I'm, I am glad to hear from Rory Tebow that it seems as though after, a, after a, an increase early in the pandemic that things have leveled off, uh, um, and, and, uh, we aren't seeing that that increase that uh, was happening last winter and early spring, but um, it is a uh, it is a continuing problem, and obviously the courts and the systems of justice need to need to be able to respond. Uh, want to um, ask uh, Diane Kinney uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, where um, Circle fits in the in the kind of universe of of, uh, of domestic ab- abuse. Uh, uh, response agencies, if that's the proper phrase, uh, are, are you one of X number around the state? Uh, any part of any national networks and that kind of thing? Uh, yes, we are members of the Vermont Network Against Domestic and Sexual Violence, um, and the Vermont Network um, has 15, 16 organizations across the state. Uh, most counties have an agency like ours. So a couple of counties. Um, share an agency. Um, all of the agencies have hotlines. You can go to the Vermont Network's website to get the hotline number for, for your county. Um, and we get support um, and guidance from the network and from each other. We, we meet regularly. Um, the directors meet regularly. Um, our advocates the legal advocates and the children's advocates all meet regularly. So we're all supported by one another. And how large a staff do you have here in Washington County? We have six full-time staff and three part-time staff. We I also see. Okay. have a lot of volunteers that help us to answer the hotline. But we're mm-hmm. small. Oh. You know, we're small, and we answer... Yep. Anywhere from 450 to 500 hotline calls per month. Wow, that's that sounds quite busy. Um, well, uh, yeah. let's see. We I think we have a listener who's calling in, uh, Sally from Addison County. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, sir. I'd like to talk to you about this whole situation these people are talking about. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't think they have an idea of what's going on. 
And the thing is, my daughter, which is about, well, this maybe more things have happened to help these people, but so much is still underground, like rape situation and marriages and abuse of women. Uh, my daughter uh, was married to a man. They had three children. Uh, she told me that her son saw um, things done to people and to animals that no other human being should ever see. I saw her in the emergency room of a hospital here in the state. There was nothing left to her. He broke her fingers. I, she called me. She only time using a telephone. Of course not. And so she called me a couple of times, and then I went to a town here in the state. I waited in a restaurant. She didn't come. She was living on the street in this town. I went up there. He stood behind her, and she was scared to death and crying. I went to the police station in that town. They told me they couldn't do anything to her until they took her on a gurney or a stretcher. She eventually she said she had three children. It gets me angry. This was about 30 years ago, but it still gets angry. She yeah. fled to Massachusetts, and uh, there she made um, she's made a life for herself. Uh, and so the thing is, it's very, very sad. This whole situation is still ignored. She can never go to a court to get release situation never and so he, eventually he has passed away about 10 years ago and but things there was just no help and i tried as much as i could and there's also a family here in this town that this woman was abused and she um they were about 70 years old he just passed away a couple of years ago and it went on and on and on she reached out to a church situation community situations nothing but she was scared to death, even if they advised her to do something, scared to death to even move, to do anything. So, um, so it's, it's really, I, I think these things are glorified so much that we're doing this and we've got that, and the COVIDs are stopping this and that. No, this is still going on. Thank you very much for taking my call. Sally, I'm so sorry about the trouble in your life, in your daughter's life. That's uh, terrible. Um Diane, uh, you must really take that hard, too. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people that it's really, really difficult to reach out. Um, and we work with folks to try and figure out how they can. And there's many people that a relief from abuse order is not going to work for. Um, we have to use the uh, tools that are at our disposal and there are some women that won't ever call the police or get a relief from abuse order, we can still assist them to figure out how to get out if they want to do that. Um, some people, one of the things that we've done is that on COVID, we have um, put on our website a chat line. So if somebody has an Internet connection on their phone, they can chat with us instead of calling us. Um, hmm. we, you know, and there's some people that, that it's going to be difficult. And, and the other thing is Sally said this was 30 years ago. Um, yeah. and I was doing this work 30 years ago and she's right. It was much, much more difficult and things have changed and some things haven't. Well, uh, I, um, 
appreciate your work in this, uh, Diane Kinney, uh, co-director of uh, Circle, and I also appreciate uh, you sharing an hour of your time with us this morning. Uh, Rory Tebow, uh, Washington County State's Attorney, uh, thank you very much for joining us as well. These are these are tough situations, and uh, I don't see any immediate resolution, but certainly it's uh, it is. Uh, I think it's important to raise public awareness about these issues and uh, make sure that uh, people are are watching for the signs out there and trying to address these problems as they crop up within uh, families and households and couples, etc. Uh, thank the two of you very much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Dave. Have a great day. You too. Uh, we're going to go to a brief break here on the actually uh, top of the hour news with CBS, and uh, be talking with one of our CBS News correspondents on the other side. We'll be back shortly, folks. Exciting things are happening in Warren Village. The Pitcher Inn and Warren Store are under new management. Upgrades and improvements are in the works, maintaining the ambiance and character while breathing new energy and resources into these iconic properties. We are open while practicing all CDC protocols. Come for lunch at our Rockin' Deli and see for yourself what the buzz is all about. Both businesses are hiring, especially seeking fine dining room staff and sales associates for our boutique. Still fun, funky, and friendly, but better than ever. Open daily on Main Street, Warren Village. It's the Dave Graham Show on WDEV FM and AM. We're back, and uh, we are happy to say we have one of our CBS News correspondents for our one-on-one interview here with WDEV FM and AM. Steve Steve Dorsey of CBS joins us this morning. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. So uh, let's quickly take a tour of the headlines here. Amy uh, Coney Barrett is back up in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee this morning uh, after a day long uh, of questioning yesterday. Uh, what's going on on that front? Yeah, well, right now she's testifying uh, to questions posed by uh, Senator Patrick Leahy. Um, and uh, this is day three of her hearing. We expect this to be lengthy one, not as lengthy as, as yesterday's, which went until uh about 8.30 at night. Uh, she's continuing to avoid uh, announcing what her positions are on key issues, including gay marriage, abortion rights. Today was also uh, employment discrimination and, um, you know, and other issues. So um, uh, this is just the start, really, of, of what we expect uh, to be more questions, follow-up questions by the uh, Judiciary Committee. One one thing that strikes me as kind of amazing here is that, uh, you know, she is saying she's not going to tip her hand at all on how she might rule on a case related to, say, Roe versus Wade. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, the chair of the committee, is uh, coming out with these statements about how here we have a nominee who's unabashedly or unashamedly uh, pro-life. Um, and, of course, we had her own signature on a uh, on a newspaper advertisement a few years back talking about Roe versus Wade being barbaric. So, I mean, it seems like we're heading in two different directions here on the question of is she or has she tipped her hand or not? Yeah, that's a good question because uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn yesterday uh, really gave an impassioned speech about how uh, conservative women like Judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, have have gotten a short shrift uh, so far. And uh, now it's it's time uh, for that uh, to be uh, reversed. And, uh, you know, that's not something you hear directly from Amy Tony Barrett, but you hear it from her Republican supporters, which doesn't necessarily advance uh, the case of Amy Tony Barrett. 
Uh, I also wanted to ask you about uh, Campaign 2020, and, and actually let's tie the two together a little bit here. Do you think these hearings uh, this week will be, uh, and, and the expected uh, confirmation of uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the court, will they be helpful to President Trump? Uh, that's what the President Trump, uh, that's what the President is hoping for, and that was uh, addressed yesterday. Uh, I mean, it calls for Democrats to recuse herself from any case that could involve a disputed election, because the President has said he wants nine justices uh, by election day in case uh, there's a dispute involving mail-in ballots. Uh, and, and Democrats say uh, he's rushing, and Republicans are rushing forward with this, Confirmation because they want another conservative justice to side with the president. The uh, court, of course, yesterday issued a ruling on the uh, U.S. Census talking about how it would be um, required to uh, basically stop the counting. Um, and uh, that's a win for the Trump administration. Do you, do you have a, a sense that... Uh, um, that's uh, that shows that the the court already is is leaning uh, fairly conservative, and that Amy Coney Barrett would uh, just make it more so. Yeah, that uh, that could be indication. Um, you know, I, I, we didn't get much reasoning from the court yesterday in this emergency uh, motion order, um, but we know that uh, the Trump administration has been arguing that it's trying to meet a deadline. Uh, end-of-year deadline to turn over after it's processed and analyzed the results of its census count to Congress. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and this is why the Trump administration says they, they need to end this um, as soon as possible. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, Steve Dorsey of CBS News, I uh, very much appreciate you uh, getting together with us on the phone this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. All righty. Let's uh, let's open the phone lines for a few minutes and uh, find out what is on the minds of our uh, listeners out there this morning. Uh, we are going to be uh, uh, I'm going to be handing over the reins of the show basically at about 10:20 to uh, Ken Squire, the uh, own, longtime owner of WDEV. His family founded the station back in 1931, uh, and uh, Steve. Uh, Cormier, the uh, general manager of WDEV, the two of them will be talking about a, uh, a fundraising campaign that has just uh, kicked off in the last couple of weeks uh, here at the Friendly Pioneer, and um, I'm going to stand back a bit and let these gentlemen t- tell you all about it and uh, talk amongst themselves for, for a while uh, on that uh, topic. And um, the... Um, but in the meantime, uh, we have about uh, oh, 10 or so minutes to go between now and then, and, and uh, would love to uh, hear from any folks out there who have been following, for instance, the uh, confirmation hearings for uh, Ms. Barrett. Um, what do you think out there, folks? There are, are, are the uh, uh, Here we have someone who is basically announced by President Trump, by the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, Chair Lindsey Graham and others, as uh, this is a, this is a pro-life uh, person, we are appointing to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, she has signed documents in her own not too distant past, uh, indicating her strong support for uh, pro-life stance and uh, calling Roe versus Wade a, a decision which uh, she may be participating in revisiting in the next uh, coming year or so. Uh, she called it, uh, or the statement that she signed called it barbaric, and. Um, is that uh, is that enough to say that she should maybe recuse herself, having tipped her hand previous to uh, appoint, being appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court, or uh, is this uh, purely a case of we know what we're getting and we're getting it, and there we go. That's how it works. Uh, 
Uh, I'm curious to know what folks out there think. Um, now, uh, we were talking yesterday on the show about how sometimes uh, judges uh, do change as they uh, as they put on the black robes. They they may uh, they may leave uh, behind positions of advocacy they had taken uh, as a, either say a defense attorney or a prosecutor. Now they are a judge and they are uh, required to not just purely side with the defense all the time or with the prosecution all the time as as lawyers tend to do when they are defense lawyers or, pro- or prosecution lawyers, but actually to uh, to uh, decide the case uh, independent of those. Uh, of those urges to uh, defend one or the other of the two sides in a disputed uh, matter before the court. And uh, so uh, judges have been known to, and and of course we've had uh, ample precedent on the United States Supreme Court where uh, a a justice is appointed who is expected to rule in certain ways on certain cases and uh, ends up not doing that. Uh, And uh, oftentimes it's because they want to preserve the precedent the court has set down previously. Uh, this doctrine that we hear about called stare decisis, which means that uh, let, the, let the prior decision stand, basically. And uh, we, uh, we don't want to rock the boat too much, even if we have our own personal views about a, a matter before the court. And when we think the court uh, may have uh, kind of blown the previous decision, there's a lot of uh, a lot of respect for that idea that uh, that we don't uh, bounce back and forth in our jurisprudence and the way we interpret the law um, in the uh, as 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 the months and years go on and new people get appointed to the court and so on. There is that uh, that stance of uh, of stare decisis or uh, let previous decisions stand. That is a uh, a key factor. I do believe we have a listener checking in, uh, Dave from Plainfield. Good morning. How are you doing, guys? I'm just recovering. I told Bill I was recovering from a heart attack out here. But anyway, um, real real quick, um, every time any judge comes up, it seems they start howling about Roe versus Wade. I'm sick and tired of it. I mean, I'm, I fully believe in abortions. I've I have friends I saw in the '80s to tell you when I first came to Vermont, they were these were hippie people that smoked pot and let their kids watch TV, and they were some of the most anti-abortion people I had ever seen in my life. And I, you know, I, I, I just see. I, when I'm in public, I don't argue. If you're, in, I just don't argue with people. They say they say this, and I do. Mm-hmm. So that's how I deal with this. I don't tell them that I don't agree with them. But anyway, I just wanted to say real quick that uh, um, it's about time. You know, we stop talking about those guys down there and start paying. Uh, I'd like to hear reports all the time from you guys and other. Everybody seems not to do this except for me. What's going on in our Vermont Supreme Court? Because we've had some very strange things there over the years, some strange decisions. And one of the very strange things that happened, remind you, because it's all reminding because we're so old, um, Judge Dooley, who was a good judge, was Madeline Cunin's administrative secretary. And when she left office, she tried to pull what George Bush pulled, tried to pull afterwards, take his administrative secretary and make him a judge. And the only person that, I mean, he hadn't been to school but he had trained, uh, you know, in a law office. And he, um, but nobody cared about it. This was in the 80s, and when she left office, and the only person in the lay, he was mad as a hornet. He was on TV yelling and red in the face, and she can't be doing this, just take her, she leaves office. And, um, and uh, people didn't seem to care at all. You know, they didn't, this wasn't an issue. So I just think we should, um, and all sorts of things. I just like to see a lot more on, on local media of, um, 
what goes on in there, what decisions and sort of things, because there's all sorts of peculiarities that um, the public's got to know about, you know. I don't know how you're supposed to find this out unless you go on the So that's the only suggestion. Yeah, no, I... I Dave, I, I actually I actually agree with you. Uh, when when I was a reporter with the Associated Press, uh, which I, I had that job for more than thirty years here in Montpelier, and <clears throat> one of the things we used to do every Friday morning at eleven was um, get the latest batch of Vermont Supreme Court decisions and go through them and uh, and you know take the most uh, interesting ones and write them up into a into a story um, and. Uh, and that was a you know a fairly uh, regular and dense and thorough part of the work we did uh, back in the day here in Vermont and other media were covering the court as well, um, and um, you know I, I th- and I think and even to the point of doing some investigative journalism in, in, occasionally when when the court was uh, having issues it, in, in itself as an institution and um, I don't see as much of that these. These days, uh, you know, we don't have that regular uh, regular coverage. Uh, it doesn't seem. Uh, maybe I'm missing something here, but I don't feel like that that is a regular uh, standard feature these days as much in the Vermont media as it's currently constituted. And uh, maybe uh, maybe that needs to be stepped up a little bit. I know people are spread very very thin, and uh, and you know, you, just these giant portfolios of coverage areas and so on. But but yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I think that more coverage of the of the Vermont Supreme Court and the judiciary in general uh, would be a welcome thing. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen because well, it uh, starts with certainly the way we the way people become judges, which I could do a whole show on this. And it's not like other a lot of it's just by um, recommendations. You know, uh, people yeah, start yeah. out and they just get recommended to be judges, and then uh, it seems the only judges. We elect or um, are the probate judges now? I grew up in New York State, where you you vote for the, the local judges, the city court judges. There's four of them, and you lo- vote for the yep. county judges in the county seat. On because um, I've been in court for pot in all these states, so I know these things. And they grew up like uh-huh. that. And and then um and, and the only ones they appoint are the probates. But each state is different. And in uh, New York, they have frightening things that go on upstate New York. They still have judgeships up there. They've tried to get 900 little towns where they just, like the local people, elect somebody like you or me or the guy pumping gas, and he's a judge, and he maybe owns a gas station in General Stewart, but no legal background, yeah. has, can sentence people uh, to county jail for up to a year for misdemeanors. There's 900 of these things. There's people that try to deal with this, but I don't see it. It's not a priority. Look at upstate New York. That's what that all is up there. And this is a 21st yep. century, and this is what I find this stuff, and there's a lot of little things. But anyway, I'll get off the air because I'm babbling here. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I got to. I got to go. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. One more, uh, Gene from Barry. Good morning. Nice day. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. What's on your mind, Gene? And she said that she would not let her religion interfere with her voting, but now she's kind of contradicting herself. She, uh, hmm. what she, the way she wants to vote on abortions and uh, and uh, and uh, the. Um, um, Health care, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so, I, I, I don't know I don't that. Know. Um, I kind of question her, you know. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that uh, the, that we can really uh, lock in somebody's stance on, on abortion just because of uh, one's religious faith. I mean, after all, uh, one of the people yeah. questioning her pretty closely and uh, yeah, and uh, critically is, is is Pat Leahy, who is Catholic. So uh, yeah. you know, I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, it's not a it's not a universal yeah. uh, locked down thing there. But, but uh, I, I, I appreciate your your observation. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Gene. We are going to welcome Ken Squire to our air, along with uh, Steve Cormier, the general manager of WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group, to talk about this uh, fundraising campaign that just uh, launched uh, recently. And uh, uh, I'm going to let these two gentlemen, they're old radio pros, they don't need me to do much other than maybe be a fly on the wall for the next little bit here. So I'm going to let these two uh, gentlemen, uh, Ken and Steve, uh, uh, take it away. Uh, Go ahead, guys. All right. Thanks, Dave. Um, obviously, Steve Corman, the general manager, Ken Squire, longtime owner of WDEV. It's like a town hall, Ken. Yeah, and I'm liking it better every day. Yeah. I mean, some of the ideas you've had and we're putting in place make it pretty exciting around here right now. We, we've uh, we've made a lot of changes, uh, but the, the good news is I think that the sound and the soul and the legacy of this place continues um, it, and it, it sounds like you understand that. I do. I, I absolutely do. I've worked at a lot of different radio stations, and I get how special WDEV is. Well, it's going to get more special because uh, we infer from what has happened that there is still that kind of continual interest in special things. And how do we... How do we deal with our, our audience and let them participate? Because it's not about us. It's about those that listen. And we're trying harder to find programming that people can listen. And, and, and certainly, you know, we always laughed about that, that box of records. But, boy, that gripes me. <laughs> you know, if that's what radio is, the hell with it. Well, and, I've worked at a few of those places. Well, we all have. Yeah. We all have. Yeah. And, and that's because, you know, lowest common denominator. And and we've never gone that way. In fact, we, <laughs> we're so ridiculous and silly that we actually think people listen to other people's interests and and. They they thrive on it, yeah. and Vermonters always have, and that's that's the history of this state. And they're always uh, there's a spattering on the wall here and there and everywhere for for that kind of, of radio. So therefore, uh, going forward, uh, let's see, how many years we've been on the air? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Oh my heart. Well, the question is, how do we go forward from here? And that's a serious question, because everyone tells us that radio has had the radish, and that's not true. We know that. But what do we do differently than what we've been doing? Nothing. (laughs) Only make what we've been doing better and find more issues that really matter to people in the Green Mountain State. So there's four new programs that are under consideration and will be on the air. Naturally, there will be a sports show call-in. 
that worked pretty well. And uh, when it was involved with Dave Moody, it circulated around motorsports, but baseball and football and for darn sure, basketball, that's a big part of Vermont, that'll be there. And uh, I, I think you've come up with a guy that really understands what sports mean and how we can better uh, serve the customer, the listener. Same thing with medical. What are you going to do about a medical show? I'll tell you, we got one coming, and we think it's going to be a blessing. And I could go through the list, but this has been a while at at your task and everybody that works here to come up with the ideas that we can then uh, put some muscle into and get on the air. And that's the best part of WDEV. That's never changed. Yeah, and all those shows that you're talking about, Ken, um, and the way that this radio station operates, um, it's not the least expensive way to run a radio station. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've been able to do is, even during this pandemic, is we have not let anybody go. We still have our full staff. We're still looking to build our news department, matter of fact. Adding people. But it costs. And the fact that COVID has hit is is really hurt everybody, uh, including us. You know, we depend on local businesses more than probably any other radio stations out there. I think radio stations, some depend on national business that comes in. Uh, we depend on the local guy down on Main Street. And when they're hurting, we're hurting. Uh, I know early on there were a number of our longtime advertisers that we said we're going to run your ads for free because you've supported us all these years and we want to continue to support you. Um, a number of those people have come back, which is great. Um, but um, we've come up with this campaign called Support WDEV, and it's an opportunity for our loyal listeners to to make a um, – uh, go to our website and support us financially, which right now we do need. I mean, the lights, we're not going to shut the lights off. I, I, I want to make that clear. We're not close to even shutting the lights off here, but uh, this is an expensive operation to run, and we've tried to watch the expenses at every turn, and I think we've done a pretty good job there. You've but done that whale of a job. The revenue coming in is not what it was. And the point being, then how do you grow it? Yeah. How do you make it better? And we said, well, wait a minute. Why don't we ask our listeners how they feel about it? And it's astonishing. I mean, they they really do care as much as they did in 1931. Yeah, and we thought what we would do um, is we kicked this campaign off last Monday, uh, and we've heard from a lot of people. But we thought it would be the right thing for uh, Mr. Squire and myself to come on the air yep. and have people ask us questions if they have any questions about why we're doing this and how long you're going to do it and where's the money going to go and, and, you know, how much do you need and all of that stuff. Uh, we want to hear from you. I mean, we're going to be on until about 11 o'clock this morning. We have to take a quick break here in a few minutes to go to the bottom of the hour CBS News. But uh, we're an open book. We have nothing to hide. Um, but it's come after 89 years of, of really some of the toughest times. I know you've spoken about this, the Great Depression, World War II, and other times during the 89 years that WDEV has been on the air. This this is as tough as it gets. And it's run like a local 
newspaper. Yeah. And that was always the basis of this radio station, was that it had to communicate with the community. Well, it's grown a little from one town to... (laughs) (laughs) We're not too sure how many, and we don't give a damn, as long as they care in the manner that we care. So that that puts us on the grid all the time. So the phone numbers, if you want to call in, and Ken and I will talk about this and, and read some letters, by the way. Yeah, and that I think that's received, important. Um, which is worth more than the money that we're getting, <laughs> honestly. Um, but two four four one seven 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 one eight seven seven two nine one eighty two fifty five. Those are the numbers. If you want to call in and talk to Ken and I, we are going to take a bottom of the hour break here and go to CBS News, and we'll be back after that. Exciting things are happening in Warren Village. The Pitcher Inn and Warren Store are under new management. Upgrades and improvements are in the works, maintaining the ambiance and character while breathing new energy and resources into these iconic properties. We are open while practicing all CDC protocols. Come for lunch at our Rockin' Deli and see for yourself what the buzz is all about. Both businesses are hiring, especially seeking fine dining room staff and sales associates for our boutique. Still fun, funky, and friendly, but better than ever. Open daily on Main Street, Warren Village. It's the Dave Graham Show here on a uh, Wednesday morning, sort of a town hall with Ken Squire and myself, Steve Cormier. Ken, obviously, the owner, Steve Cormier, the general manager. Uh, By the way, uh, the Squire family has owned this uh, radio station for 89 years. There is not another another family-owned radio group in this country that uh, has been around longer. That shows you how dumb we are. <laughs> everybody else, everybody else, they, they figured it out, and they, they they move west, which is the history of Vermont to a great degree. Well, I, I think it says more about your love for what uh, WDEV does and, and how it serves this community and what you've done throughout the years and well, what we want to continue yeah, to do. And, and what we need to do. Yeah. That's because it's the old business of good need and necessity, yeah. which always drove this darn thing when it was a newspaper, weekly newspaper, right downstairs where your office is. And uh, we, we favor that, and we think the audience does. And then people got all involved in ratings. And uh, if you didn't have the ratings, of course, well, that was because other stations, well, the hell with that. We never believed that, and, and nor did my father uh, or Harry Whitehill. Um, we're only as good as the service that we provide to the people that can hear us. And by George, that's worked out pretty well. And we're not backing off that. No, no. And that's one of the reasons we've come forth to uh, ask our loyal listeners to support us. Financially right now, Um, just a couple of quick points I'd like to make uh, that we've been asked is, you know, how much are you looking to raise? How long are you going to do this? We don't know. I, I, the pandemic could last for another year. I I, honestly, we we don't know that. We're not the doctors or scientists. All we're asking for people right now is to if you can support us in any way you can. um, Thank you. We want to thank our clients who have been supporting us. And people who, clients who are businesses right now that have heard your message, Ken, and have called us and say, you know what, I love your station, I haven't advertised on it, but I want to help. And we're seeing that as well. So you, you talk about our loyal listeners. We've got a couple on the line right now. First, why don't we get to uh, Alan. Alan is calling from Waterbury this morning. Good morning, Alan. 
Steve, this is Alan. I harassed you a few weeks ago about Tom Brennan. Can you confirm or deny whether he will be part of the new sports program? You know what? I haven't asked him. <laughs> well, I guess that's, that's because he's afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid. But uh, actually, um, I think that Tom will have a role, not on a nightly basis, um, but I think he's going to have a role, especially around college basketball season. Great. Thank right. you for your question. Well, Waterbury has your backs, and we support you guys 100%. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's only for now. <laughs> what about Forbes? What's he got on his mind this morning? Oh, I'd like to hear from Forbes. How are you, gentlemen? I don't know whether you want to hear it or not, but we should talk about it. It's a good forum to do it. Um, for over a year now, and my, my comments come from coffee shops, bars, uh, on the street and everywhere else, but WDEV has... Uh, accordingly, uh, moved a little bit to the left. And, uh, of course, uh, the rule of thumb in, in anything is business and politics are not good companions. Uh, it has its, uh, its problems. But uh, just to give you a little bit, um, Dave starts uh, each morning off each day, Usually uh, it, with some hold, negative. Hold on a second, Forbes. I, I don't want to get sure. into uh, uh, picking on different personalities, uh, but what I'd like well, no, I'd like uh, Ken to is, answer the question, and 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 I know that you've had you and your dad for forever have agreed that both sides should have a say on the station, and I think we have been able to do that. Well, we never really have, because no matter which way you saw the tree uh it it doesn't work but you try and sometimes it's plus and sometimes it's minus but but uh, that's the hardest part of it because you do want to represent as many people and as many ideas and ideas are the thing we're looking for and it was at the beginning and it still is that today I'm sorry, Forbes. Go ahead. Well, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is that um, across this country, and it certainly has uh, filtered its way into this little community, is politics has gotten nasty. And people don't want to talk no matter what side of the issue they're on. There's no more discussion about that. Um, and I think that's that's part of the problem. I mean, the governor talks about that, uh, about take a deep breath here. Let's find a way to, to work together and talk to each other. Um, because it has gotten nasty, and I would agree with Forbes that it has. So, uh, anybody else want to call? Uh, the numbers are 244-1777-877-291-8255. I want to get back a little bit before we go to our next caller, Ken, and the reasons we're doing this is, uh, times are tough right now, uh, for everybody. We get that, and we do believe that WDEV is a vital part of this community and that you look at all the things that we do here. Uh, we do almost seven hours of news, lo- uh, local live news every day. We do that. Uh, and all the different programs, the, the weather from Roger Hill, those, those aren't cheap. It's a, it's, it, there's a cost to all of these different things that we do and we're not, we want to continue to do those and grow these programs as well. True, true, true. Wade in Corinth is calling. Good morning, Wade. How are you and Corm doing this morning? Well, we're 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 in pretty good shape today. Well, good, good, good. Um, 
So I did want to call about this because I've been hearing the ads and so forth, and um, then was delighted to hear you're going to be on the air this morning to take in some calls and 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 talk about this. I've been in a similar situation from this COVID. I'm a I'm a private businessman as well, and a contractor of sorts. And um, when COVID came, uh, we lost 92 percent of our gross income in business, and we were shut down for the next pretty much the next six months. And it was difficult to one, ask, and even more difficult to accept monies that I may not have particularly earned by contract. I had a real hard time with that, and I'm sure you are as well as, as, a, as a private radio station in business. Um, but the fact was, I either did that, and this is through uh, state and federal uh, programs, CARES Act and so forth, they made it very user-friendly, and when we hit the ground running here September 1st, I'm a school school transportation contractor. We were able to hit the running the, the road running literally uh, better than we have for years, and that was a big help. My employees are employed and working, and that would not have been the case without asking or receiving uh, monies of you know of those sorts, and which is not unlike what you're asking for today. Yeah, you. You've said it pretty well, as you often do. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, um, to, to, to get something that I wasn't really sure that I'd earned or not. But well, we paid taxes for the last thirty years, and <laughs> business-wise, and and uh, you know, employee taxes and so forth. And and I guess that was. Everybody does that the public radio. Now, yeah. Get me started, and I'll light you up. Yeah. Look, look and, what and, you did, Wade. Well, well matter of fact, I wasn't going to mention, but I, I had one of my employees. He's a, he's a retired uh, Marine, but he's a young man. He's a disabled vet, and he's, uh, one of my, he's a great employee. And I gave him a ride from one vehicle to another this morning. He says, what do you do and listen to AM? And I said, well, it's 5.50 AM. It's WDEV. He says, well, who is that? I mean, he grew up around here, but apparently not listening to WDV. And I said, well, it's the greatest radio, greatest, most unbiased radio station in the world. And I know when I get in his, his van and drive it, it's it's on VPR. We won't tell well, you. Well, 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 did you throw him out of the car? I didn't throw him out of the car, but every time I work on his vehicle and give it back to him, I make sure it's on WDV. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. But here's what I really want to do. I, I, I caught part of what Ken Libby has been up to. With his matching funds? Yes. And I'd like to step sideways. And as you know, I'm slightly involved with, with Northeast Slopes, a nonprofit ski area over here. And uh, we try not to make WDV a nonprofit in their partnership with us. <laughs> but I will say over the years, especially the last decade, that WDV has probably been one of the most single contributors to the, our success ever since we put that T-bar in. Um, you know, you can build it, but doesn't mean they're going to come uh, unless you get the word out there. And WDV has, has gone over and above to help us out and do that, um, whether it's just announcing like this last week we had a, a work session. We have another one this week if we don't get rained out to get that word out and no charge. And then when we do have big events, we line up a week's worth of advertising, which we get great results from. And it's because we're a nonprofit, I guess, the policy in-house is, is half charge, is half price. And we appreciate that. So um, I would like to put out a similar call like Ken Levy did in Stowe Realty in, uh, in Northeast Slope's name, not from Northeast Slope's, but uh, for me personally, in Northeast Slope's name, once uh, 10 other patrons put in $55, I'll match it up with 550 
We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so, by the way, the phone number to call, uh, there's a couple different ways to, to support WDEV in this campaign. Yeah. One is to go to our website, WDEVradio.com, and you'll see there's a big uh, button on the top left that says uh, support WDEV. You click mm-hmm. on that, and it, right. it runs you through the information. Or you can call. Uh, there's a lot of people who are not Internet savvy and would rather write a check, and you can do that as well. You can call 244 244- 7321 and talk to myself or Kai or Charlotte downstairs and we're happy to help you, uh, not just f- get online if you want us to do that for you, but give you information about writing the check and sending it in to us. So that's, that's exactly what I was going to do after we hang up here and I'll set that up and, and, uh, we, I talked to Charlotte and Kaya on occasion and it's always a pleasant experience and, um, I'll set that up with them and, and when the other 550th dollar hits the desk over there in the name of Northeast Slopes, just so it comes in in the name of Northeast Slopes, and check for $55 or the equivalent of the $550, uh, I, then I'll, I'll, be, I'll gladly send in another $550 to match it. Thanks, Wade. Appreciate the phone call. we got a, a number of people waiting right. on the line for us that we need to get to as well. But thank you. Good work. We, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Great. Um, let's, let's go to Kip in Middlebury, who's been holding on here for a few minutes. Uh, is Kip hey still there? Good morning. Yes, I'm here. Hey, listen, um, that, that was very generous of your last talk, uh, caller. I appreciate that. Um, I've always wanted to get over to Northeast Slope, Northeast Slopes, but I haven't made it yet. But listen, um, I just wanted to throw my two cents in. Um, I absolutely feel that um, WDEV is a critical part of our community, and I would be honored to um, give you guys some cash. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, back when Hurricane Irene came through, or Tropical Storm, Irene, um, DBWDEV was the place to go to if you needed on, you know, up-to-date information of what was happening to our neighbors and our friends. And um, as a result of that, uh, I feel like I've become pretty loyal to the station. Uh, and I'd encourage uh, others that uh, feel the same way to pony up. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's amazing how, just like that, People want to help out. And I want to read this letter real quick, if I could, Ken. I, I know you've seen it. It's a long letter. Well, it came with $10. And, and I think that the letter is actually worth more than the $10. That, it usually is. Uh, because I think this speaks to why people listen to this place and why they want to support WDEV. Um, it comes from uh, Lucille. And she says, I'm glad you're inviting all of those who love WDEV and can contribute to you staying on the air. We're all in this together is a phrase we've heard a lot. But in the case of WDEV, we're in the enjoyment and now it's in the future. I live on. um, She doesn't make a lot of money. I'm just sending a token amount that is no way reflect my feeling for WDEV, but just that I'd like to be a part of this. WDEV and you personally give so much to so many, it's time we gave back to you. So many important, successful people heap verbal accolades upon you, all well-deserved. I'm sure they'll be accompanying that now with cash. Um, you're never needed it before. You do now. Thanks for saying so. And that is from Lucille. She sent us 10 bucks, And that's to the future. That is to the future. You know, I'm about ready to fall off my perch. And the question is, <laughs> what, do we ha- what do we do to make sure that this kind of radio, local radio, continues? And it's a tough grind be- because uh, we pay taxes like everybody else. 
and others in the radio business uh, who know the government pretty well. They've, they've got that taken care of. But that isn't the point. The point is that the public has to be served, and we try to get them on. And it's impossible, for pity's sake, just impossible with the amount of, of, of uh, time we have available. And, and we want to continue to have this good mix of things. Yeah, we do have music. And we've got the desk darn people like Jack Donovan yep. and Joel Nashman, who are really authorities. They could write books, and they love to do it. And and they're part of it, and they stick with us. We, could, we can't get rid of Joel. We've tried <laughs> to throw him down the stairs and every other thing, but we can't get rid of him, and we don't want to because they're a part of the community. And then you talk about people like Lee Cattell who's been here now 20 years, I believe. Yeah, and lives way up in God's own acre, Yep, Lowell. Yep. Gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning to come down here and do the news. I mean, there are real people in this building that care about what they do every day, and they know they need to get that important information out to you, to the listener of the station, because you rely on us to do that. And you mentioned this, Ken, and I know the FCC has a dictate. We're here to serve the public. And we take that incredibly serious here. Yep. That uh, you mentioned Hurricane Irene, Tropical Storm Irene. How many people have told that story? But that goes on and on, and has gone on and on, and will go on in the future. That's that's why we're here, and that's what we need to continue to do. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones now. We got a couple more people on. Let's get to Jill in Duxbury. Hi, Jill. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, let me start by saying I'm going to send you guys a couple of nickels. Uh, for sure. <laughs> oh, but, that's um, sweet. <laughs> yes. But when I first heard this announcement, the first thing that came to my mind was sort of an economic question. What What are the economics? Um, uh, if If you stopped being on the air all night long and went back to the original uh, closing after the uh, WCAX news, which many of us really miss. Um, that would not save us a ton of money. It wouldn't, okay. No, what we try to do is really focus on the daytime hours from 5 in the morning until, you know, 9 at night, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, and, and have real people around here doing their jobs and, and reporting and all of that. But after that, it, it honestly would not save us a lot of money. Well, thank you. I've, I've wondered about that because I, I, I really uh, miss the 11 o'clock uh, WCAX and then the all-night sports you know, can take it or leave that. But anyway, thank you. That's a question I've had right along. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, it is uh, 10.52 here. It's uh, Ken Squire and Steve Cormier doing a little town hall about our support WDEV campaign. Once again, if you want to help, you can go to our website, WDEVradio.com, and click on the WDEV support button, or you can send us a check as well and send it off to 9 Stowe Street in Waterbury. If you got to have any questions, We've been taking calls this morning, but you can call the office. Uh, we're happy to talk to you. Uh, even if you don't like what we're doing, we're happy to talk to you. Uh, because that's what we do. Sometimes you like what we do, sometimes you don't. Uh, let's see what Rob in Hinesburg has to say this morning. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I've been listening to WDEV since I got a job in, <laughs> in central Vermont in the early 1970s. And 
it's been um, a real touchstone for me and my family and most people I know. And um, and I would say that you aren't asking for money so much as you you deserve it for all of the effort that you've made to bind the various communities together and to tell them what's going on and to evolve with those communities and and so I've been trying to apply rubrics to well how much can I give you and and certainly I would want to give you more than other radio stations that ask for it all the time around here <clears throat> and um, Ken loves I, you uh, <laughs> and because and after my because heart. I think I think you do more more than than that and um Everybody's valuable in in the whole scheme of things, but um, but I want to thank you very much for for what you do, will do, and and have continued to do. So. Let's get rich in Starks. Thank you very very much. Thank you and, for the and, call. And your thoughts are appreciated. Yeah, Rich from Starksboro. Good morning, uh, Steve and Ken. Um, I'd like to kind of follow up with what Jill said about the WCAX uh, Channel 3 News at 11 o'clock. We don't have a television service here, never have in 34 years of living here, and that show was pretty important to us. And and, uh, one time, Steve, about two, three months ago, you were doing some Sunday programming as the on-air person, and I gave you a call, and you said that you told me that's that's all set to go. We're just waiting for the go-ahead from from the boss, Ken Squire. Now that I've got the two of you on the radio at the same time in front of everybody, can you get this all straightened out for us? Is this going to happen or not? See, I told you this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure which, which part of it is, is not working. Well, most of it, some of the time. Yeah. Your, so your wish, like Jill, is to get the WCX News back on at 11. Yeah, how much is that going to cost you or not cost you or whatever? Can you do it? There's no cost to us, no. I mean, we have a great partnership with with Channel 3, so uh, there is no cost. It's just... Uh, you get like a penalty from uh, ESPN or something? No, 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 no. No, no we, no, we okay. don't. All right. <laughs> well, what's holding you up? Uh, just the technical side of it. Really? You mean you gotta you got to redo something you technically, technically used to do? Well, we have different... Um, Automation equipment uh, that we bought, uh, or, or software that we bought, and oh, well, the thing that gets two things playing at once sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Now, now you're. <laughs> well, you've solved part of the problem. I wish we okay. could. I, I don't have an answer for you, Rich. Today, I don't. Uh, but I understand that you would like to have it back, and Ken and I can certainly discuss that and see what we can do. We have yeah, been doing a lot I of things behind the again. scenes to try to. Uh, upgrade what we do here um, because the station has been around for 89 years so sometimes things fall down the list a little bit but i hear what you're saying yeah okay all right i hope you got my little hint there i did okay <laughs> thank you very much here's john right <laughs> here in waterbury john and waterbury's joining us i think this will be a last call hi guys how are we doing uh I, I, I think of you guys much like the Rotary, your, your service above self, which is our motto, and you have certainly demonstrated that over the years is an invaluable uh, service. And I have two quick things. Number one, uh, you need to be able to get to the millennials, the younger 
folks out there, because I think you've captured us gray hairs in total, and we appreciate what you do. But folks that haven't had that experience, haven't uh, uh, gotten the opportunity to listen to you all, uh, you, you got to get that hook how you're going to be able to capture them. And my other quick thing is, does P.O. Box 550 in Waterbury still work for donations? It does indeed. Yes. Okay. Thank you, That's John. Good. Okay. All right. Thank you to everybody who called. Uh, once again, if you do want to help support WDEV, and we would certainly appreciate it here, uh, WDEVradio.com, and look for the Support WDEV button on the top left-hand side, and you can fill in the info. You can make a one-time donation. You can make a monthly donation. Uh, if you're not Internet savvy, like many of us here, uh, you can send a check either to 9 Stowe Street in Waterbury or Box 550 here in Waterbury, 05676. A listener years ago wrote in and said, this business of WDEV is a great thing. You can sell an idea or a cow, and we've never forgotten that. No. We were a cow station in the beginning, as was Vermont, hello, when there were 17 or 18 farms in most of the small communities around us. They're gone. But we're not. And there's people there that still are interested in agriculture and nature and what this is all about. And we continue to try to fathom what we can do to serve those people. Well, I've heard someone try to sell a cemetery plot on the trading post, so we sell it all, folks. Hello. And more. All right. Well, thank you to everybody, and thank you to Ken uh, for uh, coming on the air this morning. You know, we should do this once a month, little town hall. I think it would be good. Dave Graham will be back tomorrow, by the we'll, way. We'll be in trouble all the time. You're, you're just no good. Like the beat. My mother tells me to get in trouble all the time. All right. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. And once again, if you need to talk to us, 244-7321. We'll be down in the office all day and part of the night. <laughs> thank you very much.